Somebody get a doctor. I need a shot of medicine, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, Bad Medicine Podcast number nine coming at you with the one, the only, the undisputed, undefeated, unchallenged heavyweight champion of beer drinking, the Beer City Bruiser, Matt Winchester. Hey guys, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) We always give the best intros. I'm trying out some new intros. I want to see how it works, if I can give Buffer a run for his money. Oh, I think you could. I think you could. get. You know, you could undercut them, too. Instead of going for a million a show, just go for, like, 999000 Oh, I, I clearly think I'm worth every penny. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Matt Winchester, Ring of Honor Zone, as well as many other promotions uh, around the country, probably damn near all of them. Uh Mr. Winchester, if you want to give the audience kind of a, a brief rundown about uh, how you kind of got to where, you at, where you're at. I'm sure you've done it all before, but uh, for, our, for our listeners in the UK, we know they don't hear too well. So uh, maybe just give us a quick rundown of, of how you got to where you're at. All right. Well, I started uh, training under uh, Trevor Adonis um, back in 2000, I think it was, 2001, somewhere around there. And uh, trained for a couple of years with him and then moved down to Missouri to train under the great Harley race. Um, learning more about the business side of things. Um, came back home and kind of made myself on the Wisconsin Indies again. Well, Midwest Indies at that point. Um, before going to Harley's, I pretty much hung around just Wisconsin, Minnesota, um, Illinois. And then uh, after Harley's is when I kind of became more of a national, I guess you could say. Um, and then in 2014, I did a tryout camp for Ring of Honor, and I was put in the top prospect tournament for 2015, and I've been with the company ever since. Awesome, and I, you know, and I know you and I go back quite a bit, and you know, it's kind of funny how we kind of remember seeing Ring of Honor start out uh, in its kind of its early days and what it was trying to make a name for itself. And it is, it is interesting how it's grown. And I think they've got a real niche market with, you know, they're not trying to be something they're not, they're not trying to put on a spectacle of fireworks and pyro and, and jumbotrons (laughs) and all this sort of giving people, you know, quality wrestling that, um, you know, that it's, it's very funny because I know that I've watched, you know, some ring of honor lately and, you know, a lot of the up and coming guys, and it's funny because I, I watched that compared to like I watched an old episode of WCW Thunder on Friday night. <laughs> and I'm watching these guys wrestle and I'm just like, Jesus, Scott Hall's out there working. Uh, oh, who the heck? He was working Saturn. And it was like the most basic camp match you've ever seen oh, in your yeah. life. You know, these guys yeah. just had to be laughing. And then you'll go and you'll flip over to like Ring of Honor or NXT or New Japan or, you know, name the name the uh, company. And it's just like, wow, things have really changed. And I think that's about all you need to say uh, about well, it, you know, the styles the, and things. The cool thing about Ring of Honor is, like, um, when we get somebody that comes over from WWE and they come into Ring of Honor, they learn real quick that we're not WWE. Um, like, we have a couple agents that, that were agents over there, and they came over by us. And right away, Hunter, who's the, the booker, sits on the side and goes, look, we're not WWE. We don't do all that. You know, we're Ring of Honor. We have our own thing, you know. And uh, you can see them kind of go through a learning process. Like, well, what do you mean? What does that mean? You know, and it's like, 
<laughs> let the guys kind of be the creative force behind it. And you just kind of lead them in the direction we want to go, which I think is really cool. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's one of the, and maybe you can uh, kind of dive into it a little bit for the listeners, as far as, you know, the big difference between, you know, wrestling and WWE and wrestling on, you know, whether it be ring of honor or new Japan or whatever, uh, kind of go into the differences a little bit and how, you know, WWE is a bit more entertainment slash TV based versus the others. The biggest thing is Ring of Honor's character based, where they really want us to have a character. We're not just, yeah, we're going out and we're wrestling and stuff, but you know, like uh, the Beer City Bruisers, they they want me to be the guy that you want to have a beer with at the bar, but you don't want to be across from in the ring, you know. And they they hit that home. Um, and the best way we hit it home is in the ring. You know what I mean? We don't do a lot of pre-tapes. We we do pre-tapes. We do little vignettes and stuff like that because sometimes you need that to help with a character. But majority of it's in the ring telling a story, you know. Um, they'll, they'll tell us, you know, for TV stuff, like, hey, you guys have this much time to either tell this whole story in five minutes or, you know, plant the seed. And we need this to happen at the end so that the fans will be like, oh, I want to see this next match. You know, we're up in WWE. It's all promos and and you know, look. Oh like God, is it ever? Becky Lynch has a hurt knee and she has to have a crutch for a year and a half. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, it's not like that anymore. You know, um, we we really go after like the, the character based storytelling in the match. You know, um, uh, we always hear about moments in wrestling. They're always t- telling us like, get a moment. You know, like. You can have a great five-star match, but you want to have that moment that fans talk about, you know, where it's it's a quick 90-second thing that happens where fans are like, oh, I remember when this happened, you know? Yep. And uh, that that's the major difference. Like, we have TV and stuff like that, um, and they tell us work the cameras, and, you know, you got to sell appropriately to the cameras and stuff like that. But, again, it's, it's all in the ring. It's not backstage. It's not hokey promos. You know what I mean? Um, the characters that we have, even the most ironic, you know, off the wall characters are still believable characters. Right. And I think what's interesting about that is, you know, similar to working in the Indies where you have no TV, people have no idea who you are. <laughs> can't remember your name from the next guy, but in ring of honor, because you know, you don't have, what does WWE have now? You got three hours with raw, Two, two hours, hours of SmackDown, SmackDown, one hour of NXT, one hour of NXT, seventeen hour pay per view. Yeah, so I mean, you have all this time per week to like shoehorn and wedge in a character and try to get them over to the people. Whereas you guys have a one hour show, and the Beer City Bruiser might have, if you're not having a match, maybe you got you know forty five seconds to do something that they can you know wedge into a time slot somewhere in there. So I think it's it it, it really. It says a lot for you guys with what you can do with the limited time you have to to get a character over and to somebody the audience can connect with. But I think that goes back to the old, you know, like Quinn, you said we go way back. I remember we used to watch uh, old AWA and, and, you know, NWA tapes together and stuff. And you go back then, they only had an hour-long TV show. You know yeah, what I mean? That's true. You had to get Nick Bachwinkle over in an hour, you know. Um, you had to get the Road Warriors over in an hour. You know, and if you take that old formula, uh, it, I think it's more organic when you have less time because you don't just give everybody nowadays a generation of instant gratification where they want it right here, right now. And, and I think WWE plays to that. 
you know, because they're so afraid of people not watching their product. We're like, with Ring of Honor and stuff, we'll take our time developing a character. Where every week you tune in, yeah, maybe it's 45 seconds you see that character, but at the end of it, they they want you, the, the fans want to see the next segment to see what the next 45 seconds is with this guy. You know, and that, that's a throwback to the old school wrestling, you know. Um, everyone always used to think Ring of Honor is nothing but flippy little guys, you know. Um, but if you really look at it, it's it's storytelling. Like we do high impact, high moves, but there's storytelling in all the matches. Yeah, you know, even when we have you know babyface versus heel, it's still a or a babyface babyface. You still have that aggressive he uh, babyface that becomes kind of the heel during the match, and then afterwards, you know, um, becomes back to being the good guy again. Um, they really force on us right now, like, um, honoring the referees, you know, cause referees kind of get lost in the shuffle. And I'm a big fan of that because the referees, the guy that, you know, has to take control of the whole match, you know? And, and so we're, we're not allowed to touch the refs now, unless, you know, it's part of the, the angle. We're not allowed to do cheating in front of the referees, you know? And I think that's going to help because thinking of the back in the old day, you know, Ric Flair never, the ref never caught Ric Flair cheating. You no, know? never. It was always J.J. Dillon doing something, and, and then the ref would turn around and the babyface would be there, and Flair would be like, I don't know what happened. You know what I mean? And that's what yep. I think helped build his character. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's interesting, too. Sorry, Dave, you'll get your time. You just, huh? you just sit over there and look pretty. <laughs> Keep going. Don't worry about me. <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, you know, and I, I think you really hit on something there that I, I think has kind of got lost in the shuffle the last couple of years, and that's with people thinking that, you know, like Ring of Honor is just a bunch of flippy guys because, you know, it did have that reputation for a while. But what I think happened was I think you saw an evolution in wrestling, just like you see in all sports where, you know, like I want to, I hearken back to that episode of Thunder I watched where I'm like, oh my God, this is the most basic stuff ever. You could go in there, you know, a week of camp and do this match. Whereas now, I mean, you're talking, you know, uh, different, <clears throat> excuse me, different spots and different um, angles that guys are getting at and the moves are what they are. And it's incredible and tremendous, but you know, that happens with all sports. I mean, go back and watch basketball from the fifties, you know, <laughs> you know, it's bounce passes and everything else. It looks <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. You know, or even, you know, even football and things like like that so i mean i think all athletes all athletes in all sports eventually evolve and i think things have just kind of caught up to it i mean i was i caught uh nxt the other night and they had uh some crazy five-man gauntlet match and it was just insane but there was still a story there and it, and it made sense to a point so i mean i i think you can have it both ways i think you can really wow the people with fireworks and still tell a quality story that, like you said, you can harken back and use those rules of the old days because they still work. Like the average yeah. fan sitting there won't know why they get it, but they get it. And they, you know, yeah, they I wish indie guys would get that. Cause I, you know, now that I'm a quote unquote name on these shows, you know, you go out there and you watch these indie guys having their WrestleMania matches every single show. <laughs> and it's like, They'll hit like 6,000 false finishes and then get in the back and go, well, I don't know why the crowd's dead. Well, simple, stupid. You didn't tell a story. They're going to clap because they're impressed with your athleticism, but they don't give a, you know, they don't give a shit if, you, if you're killing yourself and breaking your neck because you didn't give them a reason to care about you. You know, if you watch my match, I'll go out there. I'll call this guy a, you know, a jerk face, punch him in the face. He'll kick me in the nuts and everybody will feel sorry for me because we told a simple story. You know, it's like storytelling is wrestling. I, all the students that I teach now, I try to tell them, like, 
They always want to work on moves. I said, how about we learn and tell them a story first? How about you show me why a wrist lock hurts? And then I'll show you how to do a moonsault. Yeah, I mean, Jerry Lawler could tell a story with a punch. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and you watch Ring of Honor, and that's what makes guys like Jay Lethal so good is Jay Lethal will tell a story. He'll start out with some wrestling and simple stuff, and he'll establish the heel and the baby face, and then he'll give you the fireworks at the end. But by the end, you care so much. You want him to retain that belt because he took the amount of time in the beginning on part of his match to make you care about him. So, Mr. Winchester, time Dave here. Oh, hey, look. <laughs> I finally left. Hi, buddy. I was just admiring his hair. It's starting to finally grow back a little bit. Yeah, I'm never shaving it again. Uh, so, I kind of want to go back to what you said was in moments. And you gave quite a bit of a, a little bit of a moment in the Hammerstein Ballroom a few months ago. How what, How is performing at the Hammerstein? Because we all grew up watching ECW just thinking that place was just absolutely nuts. And you got to perform there. So I'd like to hear your perspective on uh, how cool it was. Man, it's a dream come true. Um, I'm so grateful for Ring of Honor. Um, you know, we all have bucket lists. You know, when you get in the business and stuff like that, you have all these bucket lists. And because of Ring of Honor, I, I have one thing left to check off my bucket list, and that's wrestling on MSG, and that's obviously coming up, you know. But, like, I remember the first time in the Hammerstein Ballroom, it's kind of hard not to mark out when you walk in and go, oh, man, I remember when RVD did this, and I remember when Super Crazy did this, you know, and I remember this happened. Or going to the um, ECW arena, you know, and, and uh, Silas wrestled the Sandman, and Sandman came out to enter Sandman. And I remember sitting in the back going, this is this is like high school me. Like, this is a dream, yeah. you know? <laughs> I'm in the ECW arena singing Enter Sandman while Sandman's going to the ring, you know? And then uh, – it's just, it's so awesome to go to these buildings and, and experience stuff. You know, I wrestled in the building, the Lowell, in Lowell, where Shawn Michaels lost his smile. You know, and uh, I joke with my partner now, Brian Malonis, because that's kind of like his home little arena. I go, dude, your arena's famous for Shawn Michaels losing his smile. Like, that's all anybody's going to remember about this building. And he's like, yeah, shut up, don't remind me. I'm like, hey, the Bradley Center's where Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, cut the Austin 316 promo. Like, yeah. It was amazing, you know. You you had Shawn Michaels lose his smile, you know. But it's cool to to go in these buildings that have this history, you know, and you can walk around and, you know, um, I I every time I'm on the road with uh, Bubba Bully Ray, you know, we go to an old ECW building. I'll have him tell me stories, like, "Hey man, like, tell me something," you know. And it usually involves so and so is snorting cocaine off a stripper's ass over here, and so and so is doing. <laughs> But it's still, it's like stories. You get to hear about it. You know what I mean? And it's it's amazing. All the fun they could have back in the day before everybody had a camera on their phone. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So in ROH, and you might have touched based on this a little bit, how much uh, creative involvement do you have and how much do they actually take out of that? Uh, we have a lot of creative involvement. Um, we, you know, there, there are characters and stuff. Um, the, the, we do have a, a creative team and they have an, uh, you know they have a vision that they want to get to so the way it normally happens is you get together with your opponent and you guys come up with the match and stuff like that and they'll tell you the finish but you got to run your your match by your agent we do have agents you know and they'll either say oh that's really good go ahead or they might go you know let's not do that here because this match later on is doing that or Let's not do this here because that's too much for this part of the story, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on that later, you know. And it, it's really cool because they'll lay out creatively what they are gonna do with your character, 
for a couple months. You know what I mean? So you have an idea when you're putting your matches together where you want to go to. Um, but the, as far as the matches and all that, you know, we have complete creative control. Um, the agents can, you know, ixnay stuff. But that I like when they do that, you know, like we might come up and go, hey, we're going to do a dive at this spot. And they might go, you know what? No, the match after he's doing a dive. We don't want to kill their dive because they're in the middle of a, a high program. You're just on a TV squash match, you know, and it makes sense. It protects the product. Um, it, it helps the fans. Then every time they watch a show, because you guys have been at indie shows, you always see the tackle drop down, hip toss, headlock takeover, you know, for like four matches in a row. It's like, God, do something else <laughs> with our with the agents watching over and, and having this checklist, none of the matches look the same. And I, and I love that. It keeps us all on our toes. And, and it, it's, you know, it's also good because the agents that we do have, you know, Joey Mercury is an agent, uh, Bully Ray is an agent, uh, Todd Sinclair, uh, Hunter. Um, you get to, they get to give you their, their feedback. So you're learning. Like I learn every single match. You guys know me. I love, I'm a student of the game. I love learning new things. So, there might be something in my head that sounds really good, and I, I say it out loud, and Joey might go, you know, that's really good, but what if you did this? You know, or, like, Bully does stuff like that, and, and, and you're like, oh, why didn't I think of that? I'm so stupid, you know? But it's, <laughs> it's not that you're stupid. You just don't think of it, and you're learning a new perspective. So on the, on the indies, you know I was always one of the guys to come up to you every chance I had to be like, hey, Matt, if you have the time, can you watch? And then I would always ask for your advice after. Uh, do you have anybody on the indies or anywhere else coming up to you and doing the same, you know, just trying to pick your brain? Because uh, I think that's the smart thing to do with a guy like you with how much experience you have. Um, I have a lot of my students because I train at the Thumper's Den Wrestling Academy here in a, a good old Cudahy, Wisconsin. Um, a lot of them. Oh, do a little promo for that. You can go ahead and put that over if <laughs> yeah, you want. I get freaky on here. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, Frankie De Thumper DeFalco started the Thumper's Den Wrestling Academy. Uh, he asked me to be the head trainer, and I said, yeah, you know, because I, I want to teach the kids right, you know. Um, doing these indies, you see, you know, there are indies where I'll just sit in the locker room and nobody will talk to me because they're scared or they're nervous or whatever, you know, and I'll watch matches, but I'm not going to go out of my way to walk up and talk to people, you know, like, hey, this is what you did wrong in your match because I don't know how they're going to react. Absolutely. You know, I've, I've met people that get, you know, they've asked me to watch their match. They come back and I'll tell them everything I thought was wrong and they'll argue with me. Well, you asked me. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, you're, you're supposed to you're supposed to watch it and just put me over and tell me how great yeah. I am. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, when so, you took that drop kick, it looked amazing. <laughs> I mean, it made no sense in the match, but it was awesome. So at the Thumper's Den, they're kind of they're put in, in their head, you know, you're going to get a lot of the – the stuff you did wrong and then you know stuff all right and they actually get upset because they'll ask other vets and these other vets are used to normal indie kids and they'll tell them what great they did and you can actually see some of my students you know get upset because it's like no 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 i want to get better tell me what i did wrong like and yeah it couldn't couple, have been perfect yeah and i've had a couple of vets come out to me and go wow your kids are are smart you know they're doing the right thing this is that's because they're being in the brought in the right way they're brought in how you know like how quinn how you were brought in how i was brought in how you guys were brought in you know um so when i'm on the indies i you know i watch matches but i'm i'm usually trying to put together my own stuff you know mm -hmm. um or i'm to be honest i'm at the merch table trying to make money <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you know? you're, you're the bigger name that's going to be there so it's like yeah you you you're a big reason why people came and paid money to see the show is for you. So that 
does that kind of get a little bit more pressure? Do you like that where you're in the main event and then it's, you know, you want to give the fans a great show and know that they're going to leave happy? Um, it took me a while to get used to being the quote. I still say quote unquote name just because uh, my <laughs> wife and friends always make fun of me when I say that. But it took me a while where it's like, okay, you know, the promoter walk up and go, thanks, man. We drew 500 people tonight. And I'll be like, oh, great promoting. He's like, oh, no, it's because they're here to see you. And I'll be like, oh, okay, why do 500 pay- people care about a fat kid from, you know, Heartland, Wisconsin? You know what I mean? Like, um, so it took me a while to get used to it. Um, as far as pressure, there's not a lot of pressure because what I've found is a lot of the people just want to see my TV stuff. So they want to see me, you know, drink beer and bite people and hit a frog splash, you know? So it's it's fun coming up with creative ways of, of doing that to, to not only – make the promoter happy who's paying me to be there, but also make the people that are paying to watch me, you know, get kind of get what they want to see out of the match too. And then uh, I still like going out there and, and Quinn, Quinn knows this about me. I like to be the best match on the card, no matter what, you know? So I still try to do that. Like, Hey, there's a reason I'm in ring of honor. There's a reason where I'm at. And in, I might not take five or six bumps on an indie show. I might just take one, but that one bump's going to mean something, and the people are going to remember it, you know? Randy Orton over here taking one <laughs> bump in a match. Got a bump card, kid. Got a spring chicken I used to be. <laughs> I, used, I used to have a saying my wife created up that said it was, uh, what would Quinn do? Because every time I'd come up and hit Quinn, how about we do a power bomb on the floor? And Quinn goes, how about we do a headlock takeover in the ring? <laughs> <laughs> it took I, me 20 years to I realize it was trying right. to. <laughs> I am guilty of trying to slow you down a little bit. That's, <laughs> yes. You know, it took me to get on TV to realize, holy shit, he's right. <laughs> the the one thing Quinn and I always joke about is, uh, remember, I don't know if you remember this, but you and two other guys versus Quinn, me, and another guy in a six man, obviously, and a six man, and Arbo was our manager, and everyone was going over their shit. And, Little old Diamond Dave's over here just kind of, you know, doing his hundred repetitions of trying to remember everything. And you look over at me like, hey, Damone, you good? And I pause and I look at you and I'm like, uh, yeah. And Harbo goes, Jesus Christ, that sounded confident. <laughs> that was in Mattoon, Wisconsin. I remember that. That was. That was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think – and I kind of wanted to touch on it a little bit because, you know, now you do training and, and stuff like that and you're able to help, you know, your students or whatever. But, you know, for you, I guess, when did you know that, okay, you know, I've done what I can here in the Midwest. It's time for me to kind of elevate my game to the next level. You know, because, you know, you're working around guys who are good. You know, there's, you know, a number of uh, of wrestlers who are incredibly talented, you know, who are, you know, in the – wrestling the same time you were and you're able to work with them but you know when did you really know it was time to okay i need to move out to work with different people who are maybe quote unquote better than me so i can learn because i think once you kind of become the top dog in a certain area you become that big fish in the small pond that's kind of when you stop learning and i know you love to to keep learning so when was that did that happen for you it actually happened when um my father-in-law passed away um because he was always asking me the same question, like, you're the top dog here. Why aren't, why aren't you out and doing more? And, and I'd always have the excuse, like, oh, I'm too old. You know, no one's going to want me. I'm, I'm too old now. I'm, uh, you know, and uh, he would always push me to, to get more out 
and about, you know, and then I I had a guy like Steve Carino who was always in my ear, like, why aren't you doing the Ring of Honor tryout, man? Like, they're going to love you. And and in my head, because I had been programmed that Ring of Honor was a certain style that I didn't think I'd fit, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, when he passed away and he left in his will the money for me to do the tryout, I kind of like in my head, that's when I was like, you know what? He, He believed in me so much. He went out of his way to leave this money for me. Just to do this tryout, I want to go to this camp, and I don't want to just be a guy at this camp. You know, I want to be the guy. Because every time, you guys have done camps before, there's always that one guy who stands out that everybody talks about. There's guys that are good, but there's always the guy who stands out, you know. And I remember telling my wife, like, that's what I'm going to do. Like, if this is meant to be, I'm going to be the guy and, and start going to that next level. And the camp was two days long, and I remember the after the first day, everyone's talking about me, and they're putting me over and all that. And I remember going, all right, that's day one. Let's get day two done. And after day two, Hunter approached me going, we're going to put you in a top prospect tournament. You need to be here. It's kind of like when it clicked in my head, like, okay, <laughs> you know, like, I need Yeah, to I, I belong here. Over. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it, it just – took them kind of saying that I, I hate to say him passing away kind of opened my eyes, but it did, you know, and I'm very happy for it. And I pay tribute to him every time I wrestle by writing his name on my tape and uh, doing the best I can. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's, that's a great story. And, you know, and, and like you said, you know, sometimes it is uh it is an outside force that has to kind of nudge us into, you know, a certain direction for whatever it is. I mean, it could be just a guy working his regular job, you know, for he's maybe there for five years and he kind of thinks that, you know, this is all there is. And then something happens and all of a sudden he's got to make a change and, and boom, he's, you know, he's doing way better than he ever thought. And I think that's interesting how life can work out like that in so many different things, whether, you know, be sports or life or whatever. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I I was working, like you said, I was working main events everywhere and, and I was comfortable, you know, and I see guys now when I do all these, random indies and stuff and you know it'll be i see a guy there that's my age that only you know he's he's at he's happy where he's at you know what i mean and he's, he's like you said quinn he just stopped learning and it's like you look at him going man that could have been me you know like i could have been that guy and because of what happened with my father-in-law you know i'm not that guy and i'm i can't i can't put him over enough because i can never go back to a nine-to-five job now <laughs> like <laughs> i'm I so so used to, to traveling and being on a plane every weekend and, and just being away that I, there's no way I could clock in and clock out, you know, and, and yeah. <laughs> wear a suit and tie. And I mean, not that I like wearing suit and tie anyways, you know what I mean? Or not having a beer at work, you know, cause it's just, it's so not me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe give us a little insight. So what's your, your typical week like, you know, Monday through, uh, you know, Monday to Monday. Um, well, Mondays are usually my recovery days. Um, I usually am at home trying to do very, as very little as possible. Um, Tuesdays, I have training out at the, the wrestling school. So I'm out there. Um, training's from 5 to 8, but I usually get out there a little bit earlier to open up the school. I'm sorry, 6 to 8. I'm usually out there around 5-ish, 4.35 to, to open up the school. And, if, you know, I want to keep my ring cardio up, so I'll kind of get my little workout in. Um Wednesdays and Thursdays are also, you know, training days. Um, lately, my wife has been um, trying to lose some weight. She wants to have a surgery, so I've been with her. So we've been hitting two-a-days at the gym, you know, get up, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning, hit the gym right away, 
um, go to camp, do the camp, then after the camp, hit the gym again, you know. Um, so that's usually Monday through Thursday. And then uh, either Thursday nights or Friday mornings is when I leave, um, depending where I'm going in the nation. Like, for instance, this week is uh, Friday morning. I leave at 6 in the morning. I'm flying out to, where am I, New Hampshire? Uh, I am. I'm in New Hampshire. Uh, so that's Friday. Then Saturday, I'm in Massachusetts. You know, uh, Sunday, Ring of Honors in Baltimore. But I'm actually not on that show. So I'll fly home Sunday night and uh, get home Sunday. Then, like I said, Monday's usually a recovery charge day. Um, it all depends, too. Summertime's busier where I'll be on the road from like Wednesday till Sunday. Um, or sometimes, you know, Wednesday to Monday. It all depends on what the shows are going on. Like we have a World of Worlds tour, which is usually a, it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday shot. I think this year it's a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday shot. Oh, that's right. We have Saturday off, so Sunday. So I won't be home till Monday that, that week. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, you know, that's really cool because I know you'll talk to a lot of guys and they'll kind of, you know, miss the old territory days, so to speak, when, you know, you could have, you know, so many guys could make a living out of wrestling. And I think, you know, a guy like you just goes to show that you can still do that. You can still make a living at wrestling and yep. you don't have to be, you know, headlining WrestleMania to do it. There's a lot of different uh, avenues that you can go through to, you know, to reach your goals and, and, and to make a living out of this business. I got lucky too. Cause when Trevor, um, uh, Trevor Adonis, which uh, most of you guys, you guys all know him. Um, oh, yeah. He, the first time, you know, through his course of training, I mean, not only is he teaching me in ring, but he taught me how to break down a payday. You know, like, obviously when you start out and you're only making, you know, $10, $20, you can't really do it. But he's like, you need to take um, a quarter of the money and set aside for savings, a quarter for taxes, take a quarter to eat on and a quarter to send to the family, you know. So now that I'm actually making money with it, we break my checks down that way. You know what I mean? And then, you know, on top of that, you have all your merchandise, which is great because that's all just like cream. You know, it's all that mm -hmm. that's money you're not expecting. But I'll still break it down where, okay, you know, maybe I made 100 bucks this week. I'm only going to spend 20 of it on myself because the other 80 of it, I'm going to, you know, I got to buy new gear, buy new boots or something. You know what I mean? And I, I thank Trevor for that. Um, breaking that down for me because now I'm able to make a living, you know, and I try to teach the students at the, the den that like you guys are not making money now, but you will be. And if you save your money while you're doing it, you'll be able to make a living. You know, it, it can be a job. Um, but on the flip side, when you're an indie guy, you also have to go out of your way and promote yourself and you have to contact promoters and you have to, you know, it, it's constant go, go, go. You know, um, when I'm at home on my day off, I'm usually emailing promoters trying to find out, okay, I'm only booked, like right now I'm only booked till June. So I'm trying to find out July through September bookings. You know what I mean? Cause it, you got to constantly keep filling that tank. You know, it's not like, no, absolutely. Like, yeah, I have my paycheck from ring of honor, but I want my indie money too. You know, until I sign an exclusive deal, I got to get that, you know, and plus I hate having off. I hate, I don't know what normal people do. I've been doing this for so long. I don't know what's normal. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like taking the wife to dinner is, is weird. You know, it's like, okay, now what do we do? Oh, we're going home. It's nine o'clock and you want to go to bed? Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's weird. Well, that, that's good that you say that about the money because uh, 
That is really <laughs> grippy. That microphone is grippy, man. But uh, no, it's funny that you say that about money and, you know, saving it because there's, you know, you guys all saw it too. Like they get their payday, they go right into the bar and then they spend their payday right there at the bar. So, yeah, you know, it's you good know that you're teaching the kids that, hey, you got to save some of this. I'm not saying go to the don't go to the bar after hell. I made a living going to the bar, you know. Um, That's your gimmick. Is, exactly. There's fans that would love to have a beer with you. Let that fan buy you a beer. I had a student the other day because because now that I do my entrance from the bar, I'm in the bar pretty much, pretty much until my match. And a, a student was there, and a guy goes, "Man, I loved your match. I'd love to buy you a beer." He goes, "Oh no, it's okay. I'll buy it." I go, "No, he's you know, because fans." They, they like that's a moment for them because they know if they buy you that beer, they're going to get a couple minutes of talking to you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and that, that makes an experience for that fan. You know, like I have fans all the time that want to drink with the Beer City Bruiser, and I'm all for it. You know, I'll sit and tell you stories. You know, if I'm getting a beer out of it, cool. You know, I don't mind meeting new people. <laughs> you know, and it's yeah, absolutely. I, you, know, you know, you can still go to the bar and have a good time and not spend money. No, for sure. And you, and you touched on it uh, a little bit earlier about, you know, about self-promotion and and how huge that is, because, you know, like we kind of talked about, you can be the the biggest talent in the world, but if nobody knows about you, you're not going anywhere. And I think, you know, when you and I were coming up, kind of the big names around the Indies were the AJ Styles, the Christopher Daniels, the Samoa Joes. Like, I mean, you had heard about those guys before you ever even saw them work. And it was just exactly. kind of interesting how that word of mouth kind of traveled. And, and, and yeah, it's the proof. I think you're seeing it right now where, you know, self-promotion and getting yourself out there and obviously being a, a top level talent helps too, you know, but <laughs> it, uh, you know, definitely pays that you've got to put in the legwork and just like anything, nobody's going to hand you anything in this business. Uh, you know, a lot of guys, you know, you were talking about, you know, Trevor and, and money and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, Horace up in Minnesota, Horace psychopath, he was, he always had some really good stories about, about saving money and being on the road. Cause you know, he was kind of back in what I guess would kind of be the tail end of some of the, the territory stuff and some of the Japan stuff. And he had some great stories too, but Again, you know, it's all it's all about self promotion, and and you are the product. You have to sell yourself. And we broke in before the internet was big. You know what I mean? So think yeah. about it. Yeah. It's like message stuff. boards, and you know. Yeah, like they all made a name. Tape trading. Yeah, they all yeah. made a name tape trading. You know, nowadays, like I think CM Punk was really the first internet star. You know, where the internet talked about him all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But like. It's so easy right now to go on Facebook to create a fan page and then share it. You know what I mean? Go on Instagram, take a couple pictures and and post it, you know, um, open a pro wrestling tea store and then just share it every once in a while. You know what I mean? Like it's so easy now to promote yourself. I don't get why more people aren't aren't doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like all the tools are right there in front of you and, and again, you have the internet now, and that's been a theme, I think, with our last couple of guests where how the internet and social media has has changed, you know, so many different things. I mean, obviously it has. Everybody knows that. That'd be a broken record. But in, you can really see the differences in, in many things on how it's changed it, uh, how it's made things easier. And then, yeah, and sometimes you're still shaking your head like, you know, what are you doing, kid? Which way are you going to go here? You know, are you happy just – every Saturday going up to the same bar and wrestling in front of the same crowd with the same guys, you've done it a hundred times. Or are you going to try to go somewhere? You know? Well, and I don't, with the thing that I don't get, like if, if some, I always 
first day a student comes in, I go, what's your goals? Is this a hobby or is this going to be a profession? Because if it's someone's hobby, all the power to them. If they're honest with me right off the bat that they only want to be a weekend warrior, you know, they want to get away from the wife for a couple hours and, and they just, they want to, you know, it's like their volleyball league. Cool. I will train them the same way and I will help them, you know, mm-hmm. but if it's your, your career, you know, you should be doing everything you possibly can to make it to that next level. Why are you abusing your body? Bumps hurt. Hitting the ropes hurts. You know, why are you doing this? You know, like you said, going up to a bar for, for the 40 people and not getting, you know what I mean? That, that, that doesn't, it blows my mind. And now you have all this time to, you know, the internet, you can promote yourself and get to that next level. All it takes is you doing it. Why not do it? You know, yeah. I hate, I personally hate the social media stuff. I think it's stupid, but <laughs> I know for me to be successful, I need it, you know? Yeah, you got to uh, use it. Yep. Yeah, when my when my contract was coming up last year with Ring of Honor, you know, WWE was reaching out to me and, and, and talking and stuff. And, and both Ring of Honor and WWE both said to me, create a buzz about yourself. You know, and I remember looking at my 16-year-old daughter going, what does that mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> How do I do this? <laughs> a buzz back in the day was he streaked on the field or he stabbed somebody, you know, like, I don't know what this is. And <laughs> so they helped me create, like, little Merry Christmas videos and Happy New Year videos. No, I'm the ba- Beer City Bruiser and I'm at the bar, you know, and, and just sharing them because now people start talking about you. And I was like, oh, okay, I get that now. You know, and that's why we have like it's called a bod squad check in. And the reason we do that is to keep us all accountable for working out in the gym and, and making ourselves look good and, and keeping in shape, you know. And uh, it's actually catching traction where fans are actually jumping in on it. And they all are apologizing. I says, no, we're doing this as a positive reinforcement. You know, if it's making your life better, do it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it gives, uh, and I think it, it allows that real connection with, you know, fans and stars that, you know, wasn't there before. I mean, you know, back in the the early eighties, you couldn't, uh, you know, send out a tweet and have Ric Flair respond to it. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean God knows it would have been fantastic, but oh, you know, yeah. it's just, it's so Can different imagine. now, you know? Yeah. Oh, there's Rick leaving with another alien. <laughs> <laughs> So, Matt, kind of a thing that we have here on the podcast, too, is uh, some pet peeves. So what are some pet peeves of the Beer City Bruiser? And you've been on the road a lot, so I'm sure you've seen just a ton of shit. But whether it be just personally in the scene of wrestling, on an airplane. Green kids. No, Dave said shit before in his story. So we we got shit. Fuck, heck. You know, we got it going. (laughs) Um, I I got a lot of pet peeves, actually. Like, for my number one pet peeve is when you're on a plane and the plane lands, don't stand up. You're not going anywhere. Oh, I'm right there with you, man. I hate that. What about if they clap to be like, hey, you landed? Yeah, like, cool. Thanks for saving our lives, pilot, that you do every single day, you know, that you want to college for and, and education thanks for keeping us safe you know like just stay in your seat like i and i had a guy the other day who i was in the aisle seat and he was in the window he's like oh do you mind moving i said yeah i do we're not <laughs> where, where are you going well i need to stretch i'm like you can wait because i need to stretch too and i'm 200 pounds heavier than you mm-hmm. sit your ass down wait till it, it gets to our turn and then i'll let you out you know it's not hard yeah, this guy's gl- going to like a a flooring uh, 
uh, with expo. the expo or something, and yeah. you just got done, you know, taking thirty bumps or something over the past weekend, you know. Yeah, flying home on like a Monday or a Thursday are completely different than flying home on the weekend because that's when all the business guys fly, and oh god, they're so annoying. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Constantly on their phones, they think their stuff is only important stuff. Like, yeah, I might be in a sweatshirt, cutoff t-shirt with headphones on, but I'm going someplace for my job too. And if our plane's delayed, I'm just as set as upset as you are. But us yelling at each other isn't going to make the plane come any faster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's unacceptable. I got to get there now. Yeah, when we land, you getting out of your seat's not going to make us taxi as fast. It's not like the pilot's looking in the rearview mirror and goes, oh, Jim Bob, it's 8E. He's standing up. We better get there. <laughs> Sit down. Enjoy the rest of the flight, <laughs> you know? Stop uh, speeding, but it's for Jim Bob. It's an important yeah, meeting. <laughs> so annoying. Like, that. that's one of my biggest pet peeves is that. Um, a couple other ones is, like, uh, Guys that are on indie shows and, um, like, they walk up to you like they're your best friend. Like, okay, yeah, you see me on TV, but I don't really need to know. I don't know that much about you. And then when you tell me my whole life history, I I, <laughs> I lived it. So <laughs> I, I know it. Like, I'm glad you're a fan of mine. That's awesome, you know, and it's great. Andrew apologizes for that, yeah, by the way. I <laughs> I could see you like staring at me the whole time you're telling this story. <laughs> yeah, he he heard Cudahy and he was trying to narrow it down. <laughs> you know, you know, that's why they invented the toothbrush. <laughs> uh, Anywhere funny, else than called the teeth brush. <laughs> uh, a really funny story about this. So um, last weekend or two weekends ago was the pay per view in Vegas. It's the seventeenth anniversary and. My parents live in Phoenix, so it's only like a five-hour drive, and, and they hadn't seen me in a while, so they drove to Vegas to, to watch me in the shows. And we're at TV, and uh, I had two matches on that TV taping. And, you know, TV tapings are long. You know, we're usually there. Call time's usually like 1, and then we don't get out of there until like 11 or 12. You know, and we don't have catering, so you know how that is. <laughs> <laughs> so the show gets done, and my dad texts me. He's like, you have time to see your mother and I. I says, oh, yeah, come around to the back. You know, I'll sneak you into the back and, and uh, you know, I'll say goodbye and whatnot. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. You got to come out to the front. Uh, there's this lady, uh, a friend of mine wants to meet you. And I was like, a friend? Like, that's weird. Like, why, why is there my dad? My, okay, so whatever. <laughs> so we go out by the merch table, me and Malonis, and my dad's there. And he's like, oh, this is so-and-so. They're from wherever. They know everything about you. Can you take a picture with them? And I was like, yeah, sure, because I'm not going to be a dick, you know. Well, now all of a sudden the fans are starting to come out of the venue and they oh. see this couple taking a picture with us. So now it's like, Oh, Hey, so, you know, there's now I have a line of people and my dad's off on the side going, yep. If you need pictures of the bruiser, just line up right here. <laughs> He's my son. He'll help you out. And I'm looking at my dad, like dad, stop. Like, I just want to go to my, I'm sore. I'm beat up. I want to go to the hotel room. I want to drink three bucks beer. a picture. Just pay me. <laughs> well, and we had a meet and greet that day and we had a real successful <laughs> where now people are paying money to do this for us and i'm trying to explain to my dad like you know this is 10 bucks a pop right here pops you know like this money <laughs> going out of my pocket he's like but you're my son it's okay it's like no so <laughs> about an hour later i finally get back to my room my dad's there and i go dad please don't he goes but it was so weird she knew everything she knew stuff about you i didn't even know about and i'm your father <laughs> <laughs> 
That's great. You're taking pictures with him. After this, he'll help you load your groceries into your car. Oh, he'll God. take you back to your hotel room. Yeah. And my dad's like, well, do you normally have dinner with Sam's? I'm like, no. <laughs> no, no, not usually. Absolutely not. <laughs> He's like, well, I, re- I remember you wrestling at you know, the Knights of Columbus for Bruce City. You were friends with everybody. You go, yeah, Dad, that's because there's 25 people there. Like, of course I'm friends with everybody. You know, I'm Ring of Honor. There's a thousand people out there, and they all want to take my picture. So, Matt, have you were the the first one to come up to me and be like, "In this, I hope uh, rings a bell for you." You were like, "Hey, Damone, so who's your favorite superhero?" And this is just before you and I had our match. You're like, "Who's your favorite superhero?" I'm like, "Oh, Batman, hands down. Bruce Wayne." You're like, "Fantastic. We'll see you out there." I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's that mean?" He's like, "Don't worry about Damone." I'll see you out there. You got your stuff? I'm like, yeah, but what does that mean? You're like, Damone, calm down, man. I'll just see you out there. And you walked off so I could stop asking you. And then 30 seconds into the match, shh, <laughs> whack. Just a double handprint, fingers everywhere that looked exactly like a bat. Oh, so yeah. do you still introduce that to any of your students, anyone on the indie scene, maybe even ROH? To this day, it still happens. yep yep i've got there's a lot of people i've got in the batman a lot of people oh yeah i keep i keep that in there um for some reason nowadays i don't know if you guys have noticed this but i noticed people are getting upset that chops like oh you shouldn't be chopping green students that much or you shouldn't be you know chops are they shouldn't be doing this you know rick flair never chopped anybody that much like it's wrestling like chops are what make it legitimate like you know everyone out there knows we're fake fighting but when they hear a chop, they'll be like, oh, okay, wait a minute. That was real. You know, and you see the, the handprint, you know what I mean? Like, I don't get that. So, like, someone goes, well, you really shouldn't do the Batman to people anymore. And I asked why. And they said, well, it hurts them. I said, I guarantee you that doesn't hurt as much as me hitting them in the head with a steel chair. <laughs> you know? like <laughs> Yeah, because it was my second, my second battle royal. I had the pleasure of being in the ring with you. And I also got the Batman chop. You didn't tell me any of this in beforehand, but you know, that's how that goes. But, uh, I, so when he gave me the chop, I hunched over like, Oh, that hurt to sell it. And you're like, Oh, Hey, look, he gave me his back and right on my back. And I'm like, Oh, this is me. Great. And then just whack across the face. And I, I just fell to the ground. I'm like, Oh, what did I get myself into? See, I just yeah, that green he was, he, he fell to the ground in a battle Royal. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with this guy? You you try to shoot him off the ropes next or what? I had to sell the slap in the face, man. (laughs) Uh, In fact, I think in the next, my next two TV matches, I do the Batman. So, yeah. Set your DVDs, gentlemen. I I did have one uh, battle royal where where I pulled a kid in the corner. I said, you know, who's your favorite superhero? And he goes, Shazam. I said, you suck. Here's Batman. (laughs) 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 Who likes Shazam? What? How is Shazam your favorite superhero? <laughs> yeah. Did they just make that guy up? <laughs> it's like, come on, you're lying. Oh, there's so many better, uh, better ones. Yeah, so you know what? These, Winchester, you could probably back me up on this. Quinn rags on me for being a big uh, Dark Knight fan, and I, if I'm correct, you are a big Joker fan. Is that correct? Oh. Yeah, Heath Ledger's Joker is the best Joker out there. Okay, please tell Quinn why. Hey, no, well, before we get into that, let me clarify, okay? Every time the three of us 
have seen the same movie, right? You know, oh. pick whatever it is. Say, you know, whatever. It could be, what did I watch last night? The Fast and the Furious. Escape Big surprise. Plan <laughs> Escape Plan oh. 2, whatever it might be. <laughs> anyway. Caspian Batista. Anyway, so every time the three of us see a movie, I'll be like, hey, Dave, you know, what'd you think of this movie? Nah, pretty good. Dark Knight was better. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly how it goes. goes. Yeah, but I agree. Oh, it's no Dark Knight, guys. If you're watching Fast and the Furious, like, Sundays just turn on NASCAR. It's the same thing minus Vin Diesel. Oh, <laughs> oh no, no, shit. no, no. That, that's on. for Formula One. And, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because I've got a two-hour segment. <laughs> all, We're right, gonna do all, right, all right, all right, all right. That's, that's enough of that, enough of that, enough of that. You know, Quinn, if you did that segment, be a Paul Walker, and it'd probably crash and burn. Oh, oh this guy. Wow. Jeez, just like Blackheart Dave over here that thought he should have died at the end of seven instead of driving <laughs> off into the sunset. Oh, two minutes after we're, Quinn and I are wiping some liquids off of our eyes, Quinn, Dave's like, they should have had him die at the end. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, oh, see, I knew that being from Heartland, you had a black heart. I should have took you out back <laughs> in the day when I first found out we were high school rivals. <laughs> oh, that's, see, and that... Okay, now that is a fantastic story. To this day, I still tell everybody. But I found out on the younger generation, it kind of gets lost. And here's why. So for the people that don't know, Quinn and I had been friends when we first started wrestling. And we were supposed to wrestle each other on an ACW show at the Nini Performance Center for a good old Jason Jerry. And somehow we got on the subject of high school sports. Now, Quinn went to McGuanago High School, and I went to Heartland Arrowhead. And in the southeastern Wisconsin area, that's a notorious rivalry where the two schools just hate each other. <laughs> so I said, oh, I played for the you know Arrowhead. And he says, oh, I played for McGuanago. And there was a good 15-second pause between the two of us. And it was like that scene from Batman Returns where Batman finds out Catwoman's Catwoman and she finds out he's Batman. And they go, well, do we start fighting now or what? <laughs> so we did that. And I bring that up, and somebody will look at me and goes, like, I, I told a student that the other day, and they're like, what's Batman Returns? I'm like, come on! Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so how many chops did he get? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. It was Batman's <laughs> all night long. And I, and I do remember, we actually looked at each other and did say those words, so what do we do now? Fight? <laughs> <laughs> We didn't know what to do. <laughs> I've, I've been brainwashed for 12 years that you're the enemy. I mean, it'd be like the Germans meeting the Polish. <laughs> exactly. Like, what, what happens in that situation? You both go up separately to Jerry. Yeah, we can't wrestle tonight. Why? Because it'll be a real fight in the ring. <laughs> oh, yeah, but boy. Jason Jerry would have loved that. You know him. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jason would have been all for that. That's, uh, anything to make money. Yeah. <laughs> So another another little quick story, because I feel like we have just so many with you. Oh, yeah. uh, Mr. Jim Neidhart, rest in peace, Jim, and rest in peace, Trevor, I didn't get to see that yet. Um, <laughs> you, you gave me the opportunity with Brandon Blaze, the late, great Brandon Blaze. <laughs> number two. <laughs> number two. Everybody knows about And uh, so anyway, you, you come up to me and you're like, you're working, you and Brandon are working tonight against uh, Jim and you. Yep. And I was like, oh, wow, thank you uh, for having that kind of confidence in me. And then Jim Manville comes in, and we all get together. And <laughs> Jim uh, Jim kind of put his focus on me. He's like, so, Damone, uh, how do you punch? And I didn't have my style of punches down yet. And you look at me it, like you're, you knew I didn't. 
and you were laughing. <laughs> and I, Jim's like, hit me. I'm like, like, hit you? And he's like, yeah, hit me. So I did the stone cold punch, the worst stone cold punch you could ever think of. And he's like, fuck, nope, don't you fucking do that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay, sir, what do you want? He's like, you, you know how Hogan threw a punch, right? He'd hit the back of the hand. Watch this, kid. And he just, you know, he did it. And he's like, if you're going to throw a punch at me, that's what you're going to do. I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> and then you come over. He's like, oh, Damone, you're in for it tonight. I'm like, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Winchester. And then as the night goes on, I'm, he pulls me, uh, Jim pulls me aside. He's like, all right, kid, I'm going to do this thing. You're going to do that thing. Do you have any other kind of things you do? I'm like, nope. And he's like, all right, well, I'll do this thing. And then I'll do the Davy Boy Smith thing. And you were right there the whole kind of right there. And he's like, one more thing I'll do and then we'll we'll call it a night. You Google that? I'm like, uh, yeah. Again, he was very confident. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I look at you. I'm like, hey, Matt, I know I'm green. What the hell did he just say? And you pull me and you're like, brother, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, Thank God, a vet, no, a veteran guy didn't even know what he was saying. So I feel all right. And then that, that's Matt. Everything he said to you, he used the person's name who gave the move. Like, for instance, he said, I'll give you the Davy Boy thing. Davy Boy has like five or six moves known to his name. So I don't know which <laughs> particular move he's going to do to you. I know. I, and then I went up to him. I'm like, hey, b- before we go out there, what's the Davy thing? He's like, oh, well, you grab my wrist, I grab your hair, and I backdrop you. I'm like, perfect. I'll get it. <laughs> See, I would have called power slam, but that's just me. Well, that's what was going through my head, and I mentioned that to Matt. I'm like, does he mean the power slam? He's like, dude, you better go ask. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, like he, he's known for like five or six things, and plus, Nightheart broke in with him. There's stuff we probably don't even know about today. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So that to me, that was always just one of the highlights, and I got to thank you for giving me that highlight because that was I, that was fun. I have two highlights from that match. The first being, I believe it was Jim was holding you, and I chopped you so hard that it knocked Jim over. <laughs> and he went, <laughs> yes, right. He went, Do it again, and Demon goes, please don't. <laughs> Dude, that and one then, rocked. I'm not gonna lie, that one rocked. And then I remember. You and I doing the double down, and me crawling for the hot tag, and Jim the Anvil Neidhart getting so excited that he fell off the apron. <laughs> oh, my went, God. And he went, what do we do now? I said, grab a hold, and I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, just be- literally just before we went out the curtain, Brandon and I, Brandon, he goes to me, he's like, you ready, kid? I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm ready. You ready? He's like, yeah, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to prank Jim so hard. I'm going to, just before I tag you in, Damone, I'm going to tell him I fucked his daughter. I'm like, (laughs) do that, Brandon. Don't do that. And then he ran out the curtain. I'm like, Brandon, I'm going to die. Yep. Oh, glad to see Brandon hasn't changed in all the years. (laughs) So just a little story I had to get out there because that was great. Yeah, for me, that one ranks right up there where uh, I think you did one of your I think you did your first show for Dysfunction. Uh, this is for oh, Diamond oh, Dave. Corporal? And, uh, oh, and, my God. And Dis puts him in the ring with Corporal Robinson. I had oh. a great- <laughs> <laughs> Yep. I but was he, there for that show. Hell yeah. No. Well, it's funny because I, I think Winchester was there for that one. I just – all you veteran guys, I'm like, so what do I do with Corp? Because Corp kept – he's like, well, how long you been in? And I told him, you know, I'm I'm green. He's like, okay, how many matches you had? I'm like, I think 20 at this point. All right, well, I'm going to – here's the finish. I'm like, 
okay, do you want to go over anything else? He's like, nah, I got it out there. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> well, and I just kept going all the, like, Quinn and all you guys, and they're like, yeah, just talk to Corp. <laughs> He'll tell you what just, to do. Just, just listen. listen. <laughs> there, I, I've done that. Uh, one of my students, it was, we were in a fair loop, and uh, it was the second fair show of the day. And uh, the first fair show drew okay, but not, not like a normal fair show. Because, like, fair shows are hit or miss. Either you, they draw really well or they don't draw at all. And the first one was, like, kind of that right in the middle area. You're like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to – maybe I'll take a bump. I don't know. But the second show, there was – it was filled. I mean, there was people everywhere. And uh, I told – the kid walks up, and he's like, you know, what do you want to do? I says, you know what? There's not that many people out there. Um how about I just call it in the ring? And he goes, okay. And then he peeked through the curtain. He came back. He goes, wait, you said there's not that many people. And I go, kid, I'm on TV every week. That's not <laughs> and he walks away and Brandon Blaze walks up to me and goes, you never say that. You're such an asshole. <laughs> hey, you got to rip the kids every once in a while. Yeah, nothing wrong with big time in them every now and then. Yeah. And then I remember in that match, I slammed him. <laughs> I slammed him on the ground, turned his head, said, watch your face, and I climbed up to the top rope. <laughs> so the, you mean the kids is laying there like, oh. Yeah. I, I mean, I eventually hit the frog splash, but I said, you know, what was going through your head? He's like, I thought you were going to. Oh, you, you cut out there for a second, Matt. Jesus, uh, say the punchline again. Oh, hold on. My speaker just went off. Oh, hold on. Greatness of a podcast. What? Oh, I was telling you, uh, it's a punchline again. We got you. Oh, there you are. How's that? Better? That's good. Okay, so um, where you were was you uh, you, you climbed up on the top ropes. You eventually hit him with the frog splash. You asked him what was going through his mind, and he said... Oh, he said that he thought I was going to sit on his face. (laughs) (laughs) So so I said to the kid after, I said, kid, I'm a professional. I'm not going to hurt you in the ring. (laughs) You know, like, it's all good fun. Yeah, that might put a damper on some of your bookings if you start legitimately hurting people. That that tends to hurt a little. I see, and that's another thing I don't get when people, you know, um, I'm a snug style, but, like, I'm not out there to hurt you. You know what I mean? Like, we all got families to go home to. We all got, you know, uh, wives and girlfriends and boyfriends and all that. Like, I'm not going to hurt you. <laughs> you know, like, just don't no, hurt me. No, I can contest to that. There was a a match that you were watching between Sadist and myself, and I almost botched a overhead suplex, and I turned, I ducked my head at very last second, and Steve and I were all giddy. We're coming to the back. We're like, yeah, we did so great, and... You and uh, you were the first one to approach us. You're like, great job, but watch your fucking safety. You like, you got in our face about it. You're like, you guys were completely unsafe on that move and like ha- laid into us on it. And we we're like, whoa, and we were, and we had no idea. And you're just like, I'm not trying to be a dick, guys, but safety, safety, safety. Damone, you could have just broke your neck. And I was like, yeah, yes, safety, sir. Safety is number one. That's what we teach at the the Thumpers Den. I'm, I I always tell the kids, I'm gonna teach you how to protect yourself and protect the other guy. It's going to look good, but you got to protect, you know, because injuries happen on just the littlest, stupidest things. You know, I, I, uh, I tore my tricep taking a DDT. Um, I blew up my knee just giving a big boot. You know what I mean? Like, I took a hip toss and hurt my back. Like, it's 
these are little moves, you know what I mean? Like, you, you can't predict you're going to get hurt, you know what I mean? But, like, you can prevent it as best as possible. Um, you know, and that's that's the other cool thing about Ring of Honor is, is they care about our safety so much where I've had a couple fight without honors, which are basically no DQ matches, and as soon as he walks to the curtain, there's uh, Joe Coff, who's the, the president of the company, there's Hunter, who's the booker, and then the agent, and all three of them are there making sure you're okay. And they don't have to do that. You know what I mean? How many indies do you work where promoters would come check on you if you hard way, you know, (laughs) with us, you know, they're right there and they're making sure you're okay. They're making sure if you need a doctor or, you know, everything. And and you feel really valued, you know, because it's like, oh, cool. I just put my life on the line and, and they actually appreciate it, you know. But, like, yeah. when you're on the indies and stuff, man, like, just protect yourself. You got to either have a show the next day or you got to get up and do something, you know? Yeah, and I guess two things that I wanted to, to hit on real quick that you brought them up was I, I agree with you 100%. I've, I mean, okay, strong style is one thing when the match calls for it and there's a huge buildup. But if you're only – the only way you can get over is by literally beating the shit out of the guy who's in there with you trusting his life with you uh you just ain't got it pal like i'm you know jerry lynn used to always say i'm giving you my face could you please be careful with it you know <laughs> exactly. type of thing and i've never i just never understood like the way i'm gonna get over is by you know stiffing you basically like brother if you want to make this a fucking fight we can fight and see how it goes see how your yeah. kicks do you know well and i i always tell the people like i'll give it to you but i expect it back if i chop you chop me back you yeah, know what exactly. i mean like if my forearm's a little snug, give me a, give me one back. Like, it, I'm not the type of guy where I'm just going to rough you up and then you snug me one little second, I go and complain on the internet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. You know, and you're going to feel you wreck, work me the, the next day, but, like, I expect that return because the fans benefit. As long as you're not hurting me, you're not physically on purpose hurting me, I'm okay with it, you know? Yeah. And, like, and then I guess... I, I got my student. It's funny, my students now... Because uh, now they're on the road and stuff. They were, they did a couple shows um, up north in the in the Green Bay area, and they get back and they say, uh, "We have a question." I said, "Yeah, what's that?" They said, "How do you sell something if you don't feel it?" And I go, "What do you mean?" Because well, they were punching me, and I, you know, they weren't even touching. I don't feel it. And I said, "Well, what were you doing?" They're like, "Well, we felt bad, just kind of giving them the way we normally give them." I said, "Don't feel bad. Make them work to your level. You know." Yeah, like, that's- the fans get it <laughs> yeah like yeah. this is wrestling kids uh this is how it's gonna be you know yep exactly. and uh to kind of piggyback off that you you touched on it just briefly here um i think it, uh you've been relatively lucky in terms of injuries have you i guess kind of running through your history because like i said i, I know you were the first guy out there to not recklessly put his body on the line but was more than willing to put his body on the line when it made sense to have a good show, to tell a good story, to really give the fans something. Um, how has that style kind of worked with you? What have you done to kind of um, prolong your career, you know, as far as flexibility and things like that? Um, um, well, keep going, sorry. Oh, yeah, and just and just saying, like, you know, kind of where is that taking you as far as, you know, the type of injuries you've had, what you've done to prevent them, and how you've kind of been able to prolong um, your career and, and, and keep working at a high level? Well, my my style's changed over the years. Um, now, doing all the high-risk stuff is more meant for, like, the high-profile matches. Um, you know, like TV, pay-per-view, and stuff like that. Uh, I'll do the older style, but it, it's also, I, I learned to make everything make sense 
Um, you know, I enjoy teasing stuff now so that when I finally do something where my body's put on the line, it, it's like a big pop from the crowd. It's not like just doing it to do it. Um, as far as injuries, you know, I've, I've torn my left tricep, torn my left ACL, um, had surgeries on both those, you know, numerous stitches and staples throughout my body, uh, herniated disc in my back, my sciatica has been screwed up, my right hip, you know, um, is all messed up, uh, no front teeth, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> we what I've been doing, that. though, is as I get older, um, you know, I go to the gym and I change my lifting style because I came from a football background. So it was always, and I was always like, cause my birthday's in July. I was always the smallest guy on the team. So it was always lift as heavy as you can, as much as you can and get as big as you can. Um, that's okay when you're 18, 19, 20, but now that I'm, you know, 40, it's more about flexibility and a lot of cardio, a lot of circuit training. Uh, I threw in some yoga, um, I met DDP on the Chris Jericho cruise, and he talked me into doing his yoga, and by God, it works. <laughs> yep, that's, that's what everybody yeah. says, is that it's life-changing, you know? Yeah, when he when he pitched it to me and stuff, and, and he gave me the, uh, the I got a lifetime membership and all that, and I was like, all right, you know, I'll give it a try, because I don't want this, I mean, it's a gift from a vet, you know, I'm not going to let it go to waste, and, and my wife and I, we, we incorporated it into our workouts, and I feel better, you know, cause it's, it's flexibility and it's, it's core training and stuff like that. So I'm able to put some more years on my, my body, you know, um, obviously everybody has a bump card that you don't think about when you're, you're young, you know, I do regret some of the big bumps I've taken in the past cause I feel them today. Um, but overall, you know, health wise, I'm feeling pretty good. And I think it's cause of the change in the workout, the change in the diet, you know, um, I eat better for myself, especially when I'm on the road. Switch um, to a light beer. <laughs> <laughs> I do drink light beer, but I'll, the funny thing is I'll drink any kind of beer. That's the best oh. thing about it. Like, <laughs> I love going to these new towns. I have this thing now where I go to these new towns and I'll find a local brewery. And uh, yeah. I'll make sure the promoter brings me either brings me in early enough where I can go to the brewery or flies me out later on where I can go because I want to experience – and when you're on the road, you get so little time to like see things. It's usually just airport, rental car, hotel, venue, rental car, hotel, airport. So when I do these indie shows, I try to get a little more freedom. Like, hey, can you fly me out, you know, like a three o'clock flight? And then, you know, at 11, let's go to this local brewery and, and so I can sample all the local beer, you know. And I, I love doing that because I get to find out all these, you know, like what's local and what's great and it's helping local business, which I'm a big, you know, supporter of and get to find different things to drink, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It definitely gives you a benefit to going to the city or the town. And, you know, aside from just the wrestling, you can actually say, Hey, I went to somewhere in Tennessee and I actually remember it, you know, yeah. it was something memorable that I saw. Yeah. And it's, it's, I can always recommend stuff when I'm in town, you know, and like, Everyone always asks, oh, what are you drinking when you come to the ring? And, and normally it's Miller Lite, but if I find a really good local brewery, you know, I'll ask them for a six-pack or 12-pack, and, and they normally give it to me, you know, and then I can nice. take it out. And then I used to do that with cigars, too, where I'd forget, find a cigar place to, to get cigars from. And now there's a group called the Martinez Cigar Company in New York. And uh, starting in April, they're releasing a Beer City Bruiser blend of a cigar. No and kidding. Yeah, oh, so MartinezCigarCompany.com, you can go on there, you can order some BCB cigars, and 
They, they taste good. Guy for his uh, victory cigars. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll use those for every Packer season. That for every game they're going to win next season. Oh, this is perfect. He'll take yeah. nineteen. <laughs> so WrestleMania weekend, they're launching them, and uh, I got to do an autograph signing at their shop. But it was all because I do this little thing with you know, because like I said, I believe in small business. You know, small business is what make the world go round, and. Uh, if I can help out a local brewery and bring some more people to drink their beer, especially if it's good beer, you know. Absolutely. So I, I was just kind of wondering, maybe maybe it's my fault for not doing enough to look it up or anything, but uh, for the Chris Jericho cruise, you were on the first Jericho cruise, and he's coming back with number two. I was wondering if you had any kind of, you know, memorable moments for yourself being on that cruise. That whole cruise was was memorable it was a life change it was so amazing um i have if you got time i got some plenty of stories but i'll tell i'll tell some of my top few so my top story is um i don't know if andrew if dave you know this but quinn knows this uh, mick foley has always been big inspiration in my career and i've never met him i never met him for the you know last 19 years now i've never met him and they announced him for the cruise and stuff and i was real excited it's like okay cool i'm gonna i'm gonna meet foley i'm gonna you know talk to him and all that and uh so i get on they uh when we get on the cruise we got these talent badges which is basically all access for us where we can go wherever we want they had a talent lounge that we could go to which was really cool because you could spend time with the fans but then if you need to get away like if you're overwhelmed or you know, you just need a little bit of time yourself. You can go to the artist lounge and it was just talent that was in there, you know, the bands and the, the wrestlers and stuff. So nice. it was really cool where they made sure that we had our space too. And so, you know, the first day you're in there and you see all everyone that's going to be on the cruise and I'm looking around and Jay Lethal, who knew I was a big fan of Foley, goes, you're looking for Mick, aren't you? I says, yeah, man. Like, it's kind of like, uh, I, I have a hidden agenda where he, you know, I want to meet him and stuff. And he goes, well, don't worry. He's on the boat. He texted me. He's just, they had uh, all the uh, names had like uh, Jericho and all of them all had their own little balcony or uh, deck. They had the 14th deck all themselves. So he was up there. So, okay. So just did my thing. And then I, I saw he was doing his comedy special and I was like, well, I'm going to go to the comedy special. And with our VIP pat- passes, we get backstage. So I was going to go backstage and meet him and stuff. And when I got there, they had moved his comedy special with a podcast because fully wanted to watch wrestling. And now it hit me. I literally changed out of my wrestling, got done with my match, changed out of my wrestling gear to run across the boat to go <laughs> to his comedy thing. And now they're telling me he didn't do his comedy thing because he was watching wrestling and I just got done wrestling? Like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw he was doing another one and uh, I ended up going to it, watching. It was a great comedy thing. And uh, went backstage and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, cool, I'm going to meet him and all this. And uh, Diamond Dallas Page was there and I met him before. And he goes, oh, you're here to talk to Mick? I says, yeah, first time meeting him. He's like, oh, he's a great guy, but do you mind if we film something for, for DDP Yoga first? I says, no, go ahead, you know, by all means. So they do their little vit, uh, video and stuff like that. Dallas uh, starts leaving. He says goodbye to me and fully walks up and he's signing autographs with the fans. And I'm just kind of chilling out like, okay. And in my head, I'm like, this is how I'm going to introduce myself. This is what I'm going to do. This is what, <laughs> you know, and I have like a speech prepared, you know. So he turns around, he comes walking up. He's like, oh, Beer City Bruiser, how's it going? I'm a big fan of yours. And he shakes my hand, and I go, like, mouth ajar, just sitting there looking at him going, uh. My name is Matt. I'm the Beer City Bruiser. He goes, I know, I just said that. And I was like, <laughs> uh. And it's like, 
in my brain, I'm going, say something stupid. And it felt like an hour and I, you know, like, oh, my God, I'm just sitting here. And I said, well, thanks for everything you've done, you know. And, and I, I kind of talked to him. And he goes, hey, I watched your match with the Briscoe Brothers on TV. It was near perfection. I really like your work and looking forward to, to hanging out with you. And, and I'm a big fan of yours. And I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember before it got all done, um, he uh, – he goes, we're in the meet and greet tomorrow. Same meet and greet. I says, yeah. He says, well, come meet me here, and we'll we'll walk to the meet and greet together. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I remember walking back to my cabin, kicking myself, going, man, you're such an idiot. Like, so much more. You could have been so much thinks I'm a moron. Yeah, it's like could have been so much cooler to make Foley, and you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> so Total Chris Farley moment. Then <laughs> I did the meet and greet, and uh, he was there, and it was a little bit better. And then I ran into Noel. Uh, Frank the Clown's her boyfriend. He did something for Dysfunction a while back, and she was there, and I was talking to her because I got to know her in the cruise, and she's like, oh, hey, my dad says hi. He's a big fan of yours, and he doesn't think you're a moron. And I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks so much. <laughs> Day made. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, that's yeah, awesome, so that was, man. That was, what, that was like the number one thing that happened to me that whole, that whole cruise was this, you know, I got to be an idiot in front of Mick Foley, and he doesn't think I'm a moron, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> If the opportunity comes, are you going to be on cruise number two? No. Um, as far as I know, we're not allowed to do that because AEW is doing it. And um, oh. because All Elite is so fresh and new right now, they're rewriting our contract, the verbiage in our contracts, because I don't think we can – We like they haven't officially told us we're not allowed to wrestle for AEW, but all of us kind of get that vibe that, you know, because – if they get TV, they'll probably be direct competition with us. So we don't okay, know right now sense. how that all works out. And I know with Jericho being part of All Elite, that's who they announced is doing the wrestling. So I, I'm going to say right now, no. But if the opportunity comes and I can be on the cruise again, I'd love to do it. I, I It was totally awesome. Interesting. Yeah, that's. I didn't even think about that. Actually. Yeah, with the TV thing, that's. Yeah. Man, I didn't think about that. No. Yeah, a lot of people ask us, you know, because because the Bucks left Ring of Honor and Cody, they all left Ring of Honor on, on a good note, you know, it was, a, it was a handshake and you know, see you later. And the whole locker room still likes the guys. You know, they weren't they weren't bad or bitter or anything when they left. You know what I mean? Like we all knew they were going to do something. You know, like it was no secret. So when they announced it, everyone, you know with ring of honor we were all like okay well can we wrestle for them can we not you know like if the guy because the guys with the exclusive deals obviously can't because they're exclusive to ring of honor but like a guy like me who's not exclusive yet can still do i can do select indies like is that considered an indie or not you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. then none of the office people have directly told us no but we're all kind of figuring out if they get a tv deal like it's probably gonna be like an nxt or wwe thing where no we're not allowed to go because we're not allowed to wrestle for WWE, NXT, Impact, you know, because it's a direct competition. And then um, we're not allowed to wrestle on, like, companies that that um, air on Powerbomb TV or what is it called? Independent Wrestling TV now, I guess, because we're on the Fight Network. So it's all legality and stuff like that. Like, Sure, they just got to... It's got to draw it out for you guys and be like, all right, here's what you can do. Here's what you can't. I know you're not lawyers. Let me explain this to you. Well, and I, you know, when I, you know, when I get my contracts and stuff, like my first contract, I just signed right away. Like, okay, I got a contract. Here we go. You know, and then going through the negotiations for my second one was, 
was interesting because it's actually negotiations. And I'm not, you know, you know how it is on the Indies. You give a guy a price, he says no, and you're done. You know, like yeah. <laughs> here it was like, well, this is what I'm looking for, and back and forth and all that. And then it's like now you have like indie promoters like, hey, you're not exclusive. We want to use you, and you got to actually like find out about this indie company now. You know, like yeah, you got to do your research and see what their yeah. story is. You know, yeah. So like I always reach out to people that I know that work for there because being on the road and so much, you meet a lot of people and we have extras and stuff like that too, just like WWE. So you get to know some local guys in the area. So you can always hit them up and like, Hey, what's the deal with this company? You know? Oh, the tales of being extras, how we could go on for that for a whole nother podcast. Oh, Simon Dean. <laughs> oh, and I see, I see these guys. So we don't, we do not have a dress code at ring of honor. I mean, I show up, <laughs> how i am i i just i don't there's no dress code so you're and telling you can, me there's no army of guys showing up wearing black pants and blue shirts well when there's an extras because the extras for some reason think we're like wwe guess what they show up in <laughs> <laughs> and i just remember i i chuckle every time and then you see them you know and they're in their little groups and they're talking and you walk by and they're all straight up and down and I always try to crack a joke right away and, and just to make them feel at ease. You know what I mean? Cause like guys, you're, you're here to make us look good. Like, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we're not like up there, you know, I, in fact, my last time doing extra work for WWE is right before I signed my first contract with, with ring of honor. And I had to do the fake Bray Wyatt. And I remember showing up to, to the tapings thinking to myself, like, well, I'm not getting a job. I'm just getting a good payday going to ring of honor soon so like why do i need to take this as seriously as i used to so i went out and bought the most obnoxious looking suit i could find yeah. with like <laughs> the brightest like shirt i could find and the gnarly like i looked like straight out of the 70s you know and uh nice. <laughs> like that got more of a pop with the guys because i i remember they offered me a tryout match you know like hey what you want to do a tryout like we're gonna fly you to florida and do a tryout and i was like ah, actually i'm probably signing with ring of honor next week so no (laughs) (laughs) but had i known that years ago when we were the blue t-shirt you know the blue dress shirt squad i would have done that you know (laughs) oh that's fantastic well uh one of the quick stories i had is uh i ran my first show in chilton and it was a benefit for butch's army a guy that i worked with that passed away from lung cancer and we had you on the show, and you did a great job with everything. You you signed a, a mask for him, signed him a picture, and they actually had it when he eventually did pass away from cancer. They put it proudly on display at his funeral, was oh, everything cool. that you gave him that night. And they said they had a hell of a time with you. And then uh, the other bow on that night is you brought a woman into the ring with your keg, having no idea that that was my own mom. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember. <laughs> saying that afterwards and i felt really bad you're like no she loves it it's great I'm like, okay. oh, oh of course and everybody <laughs> loved it and then like even now my uncle too is like hey i was flipping through the channel saw wrestling on the other night that uh beer city bruiser guy with the cigar <laughs> is on there. i watched it oh man he is a treat to watch I, i'm gonna watch every week now so, like, <laughs> yeah, just you doing a little show in chilton wisconsin and you pick up a couple more fans and but i, I did want to say you know thank you for all you did at that show it was oh, great. No, thank you. Like, I'm, I'm glad I'm able to do stuff like that, you know, like, especially with somebody like him who, who's 
real life kind of sucks. You know, like he's fighting this battle. Like, I don't know what he's going. I can't imagine fighting a battle like that. But to give him, you know, two to three hours of just not worrying about anything, not worrying about doctors or medicines or anything like that, and, like, to make them feel good is, is – a I love wrestling for that. You know what I mean? Like, I try to make every show that I do a positive experience where people remember it, you know, forever. Like, I remember my first wrestling experience. I remember Bruiser Brody and all that. It made such an impact on me that I want to do that with people, too, in, in a positive way. You know, and, and it's great hearing a story like that where at least, you know, he was having this hard battle and stuff. But at least for the time that I was in the ring, he didn't think about anything. And he was happy. And he was, you know what I mean? Like. That, that's the cool thing about wrestling, you know? I do have to say you were his second favorite wrestler on the show. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. I wouldn't expect it any other way. But then again, I am your mom's favorite wrestler, so that's okay. Uh, Quinn is number one. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's just because I was beating him up in front of his own mother, and she loved it. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> No, it is interesting how wrestling is so unique from any other type of entertainment in that, and especially on, um, you know, whether it be the indies or, you know, it's not so much WWE because there's like zero crowd interaction directly with the wrestlers. But that's one thing I always loved about wrestling was you had a direct interaction with the audience and they almost felt like they were really drawn in and a part of the show. And I just think you don't get that in football, baseball, you know, nothing else. You go to a movie, you're very passive. You're just watching it. But in, you know, in wrestling again, not at WWE, cause there really is no well, maybe quote unquote shows. work in the crowd. Yeah. House shows are probably different, I suppose, but as far as what people see, and that's what I love about, you know, so many of the, the smaller feds, I'll use the term smaller is that you get to actually have that interaction with the people that is, you know, really makes their experience. And, you know, I mean, you know, the same as the same as I do. I mean, how many shows have you done where somebody comes up to you and says, Oh, this is the first wrestling show I ever went to. I, I just had such a great time. I, I was yelling and screaming and my kids had a blast. I mean, I, I swear that happens at like every show that, you know, guys do. It's just, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's like I said, to have a positive influence on people. Cause you know, wrestling, when you hear wrestling and you're a normal person, like right away you get a negative connotation, you know, cause it's carny. It comes from the carnies, you know? And then when you have someone come to a show that has that mentality and then all of a sudden it changes, like, wow, this isn't so bad after all. It's like, cool. I did my job, you know? Um, yeah. You know, you won them over. Yeah. There was a story from, uh, I, I actually just found this out in Vegas, a, a girl. So my dad's doing the line of free photos for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just pimping his own son shamelessly yeah it's like he's just counting the dollars (laughs) and he's just he's just well he's just sitting there going i'm so proud of you i'm like well good let's make money being proud of me but anyways (laughs) girl walks up to me and she had she had tears in her eyes and i'm like you know are are you okay and she goes i didn't want to bother you but i want to tell you a story and he says okay go ahead and what's really cool is my mom was standing next to me because my mom and I were having a conversation. This girl came up, so my mom got to hear this, and this is really cool. Um, she goes, well, my my boyfriend and I were on the Jericho cruise, and it was one of the best times you ever had, and your matches were fantastic. And I said, oh, thanks. Like, I had a lot of fun, you know. Um, it was a great time. And she goes, well, I want to tell you about something that happened, but not to me. She says, uh, after one of the shows, we were leaving, and she named the, – the match was – it was a four-way – tag match and the whole story was it was my last it was the third day of the cruise and silas who was my partner 
was sick and tired of me drinking during the matches. So he was going to ban alcohol during the match. This is a four-way tag. <laughs> uh, and all the other tag teams were like, cool, we got the bruiser. We're all just going to drink. So the whole thing was Silas against all of us because Silas didn't want to party. And essentially the whole boat turns against Silas because, you know, you're on a cruise not to be sober. Yeah. And so uh, the finish of the match is I, I bring a uh, – bucket of beer in and we all share the beer we toast it and all that so she says they were leaving that and there was an old man about 70 years old in, the, in an elevator and he was holding he was like cupping this beer, crushed beer can and when they got in he's like oh please please don't knock this over don't just please don't knock this over and she goes well, okay he's like I, i'm a 70 year old man and i've been watching wrestling for almost uh like 45 years whatever it was like a long time he said and he goes, and I saw one of the best matches ever, and this is the can that Beer City Bruiser drank out of. I'm going to take it home and put it in glass. And and he is a true throwback to what true professional wrestling is. And he, he reminds me, I lost my wife last year, and this is one of the first times I'm ever happy, and I'm so happy this cruise happened. I'm so happy a guy like him was around. And, like, my mom starts crying. This girl starts crying. I'm almost about to cry, but it, like, you know, I thanked her for telling me the story, and she walks away, and my mom's like, oh, my God, did you know that? And I said, no, but that's what the cool thing about wrestling, you know? Like, yep. that guy got to have that moment, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. You know, and, and yeah, you, you – you know, you just wonder how many times does that happen? You know, and I, I bet it happens all the time. You know, guys have the, like going back. Here we are going back to it, creating a moment. Yeah. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a ring. It can be something like that that happens, you know? Yeah, like he, he didn't say it was because of the mat. He said, oh, look, this is a beer. The la- There was the last beer I had in the ring, and I threw it out in the crowd, and he caught it. Like That's awesome. Which is, you know, like. To, to us, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, it's a beer can. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But to him, it's like, okay, and like to hear that he had such a hard time, and this helped him cope with that hard time. You know, like, it's cool. <laughs> like, yeah, truly. Aren't and then just any time really cool. he's having a hard time too, he can just look at that beer can, and then he can it'll bring a smile back to his face. Like, yeah, I remember that moment. Yeah, see, wrestlers aren't all about sending dick pics to rats, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, our next topic, uh, best city for rats. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm a happy married man, my wife can beat me, so I can't answer that. (laughs) We'll ask Scott Steiner about the rat in Sheboygan. Yeah, go ahead and hit the supercard. So, yeah, as, as we are, uh, we know your time is precious. So, as we go on our go home here, uh, I believe a show's coming up at a little place called Madison Square Garden. I don't think anyone's, <laughs> ever heard of it. I don't think anyone's really heard of it. But uh, so, yeah, why don't you tell us what you got coming up here in the future where uh, people can see you and all that jazz? Oh, man. So, well, starting before, I'll go the weekend before Madison Square Garden. I'm out in uh, New Hampshire for Chaotic Wrestling, um, which is a school that is an offshoot of the Killer Kowalski School. Um, this company produced such talent as my partner, Brian Malonis, referee Todd Sinclair, former NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa, uh, Jack, who's what, Dijakoff or something like that now? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> he came from there. So I'm with them Friday night. Then I'm with uh, Liberty States Wrestling in New Hampshire on Saturday. Um, then Ring of Honor's in Baltimore Sunday. And then the weekend that you're speaking of is the great Supercard of Honor. It's a G1 Supercard. 
at Madison Square Garden. It's April 6th. Um, I'm in the Honor Rumble, and I think I'm doing something else, but I don't know if I – I don't know what it is yet, basically. They're keeping it till we get there because they don't want the internet to leak out, I guess. I don't know. But um, breaking sheets. news, breaking news yeah. on the Bad Medicine Podcast. Yes. Don't worry, uh, only 30 I, people will hear the secret plan. Two, only two. <laughs> but I will be out there April 5th because we have the Festival of Honor, um, and that's kind of like uh, our access. It's our fan thing. Um, I'm actually going to be a guest on Dalton Castle's um, interview Q&A segment, and uh, I'm going to be playing a beer pong tournament. Oh, so nice. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. And then uh, getting paid to play beer pong. Look at that. Exactly. <laughs> and then on uh, April 6th, um, from noon to two, I'm at Martinez Cigar Company as we're going to launch off the Beer City Bruiser cigars. Uh, it's going to be a meet and greet and samples of the cigars and stuff like that. And then, like I said, April 6th that night, we're at Madison Square Garden. And never thought, man, if you would have asked me, you know, Quinn, if we, when we were driving up to. First Avenue to have Eddie Sharkey tell us he might have something for us. I tell you, I'm wrestling Madison Square Garden. I wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> you know, oh, it's just fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And you get and you get to say live on pay per view from Madison Square Garden. Yep. And it's gonna be amazing. So Fight Network carries it. If you're part of the Honor Club, you get to watch it. Um, it the whole card's great. Um, they just announced Okada versus uh, Jay White for the. New Japan, the IWGP heavyweight belt, um, which all the New Japan guys are just amazing guys. Um, you have the three-way with Jay Lethal, Matt Taven, and Marty Skrull, the ladder match for the Ring of Honor title. You know, like, again, it's in the garden, so. <laughs> oh, that'll be awesome. Dude, your adrenaline is going to be at top. <laughs> yeah. Normally, I guess, you know. I guess there's it, been a couple times. Pay-per-views, we normally turn it up anyways, but, like, for some reason, the super card, because they just keep getting bigger and bigger each year. This is my fourth Supercard with them, and each year it just keeps bigger and bigger, so there's more and more adrenaline and more and more, you know, like crazy bumps. You know, I, I last year it was where I uh, took the bump through the table or off the top rope to the floor, trying to frog splash Jay Lethal, and he moved. That happened last year, you know, and, like, I didn't feel it for a few days, but that's because that, that's how long it took the adrenaline to wear down. So I'm wondering how long it's going to take me to get off this high, you know? Like, well, it's going like, to be like two weeks. Yeah. Like, you're, it's the garden, man. You're leg and you're still wrestling, like, not even <laughs> yeah. And how can our uh, fans find you on the on the social media stuff? On uh, Twitter, I'm at BCB Winchester. On Facebook, I'm the Beer City Bruiser. And on Instagram, I'm the Beer City Bruiser. Uh, you can go to prowrestlingtees.com slash beercitybruiser. I have uh, six shirts up there right now. Or go to uh, rohwrestling.com, click on the shop. I have a Beer City Bruiser t-shirt. There's also the Bouncers t-shirt, which actually is a hot seller, I've been told. I haven't seen the check yet, so I don't know how hot they are. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad's and, uh, getting you can... it right yeah. now. <laughs> And a little something for our listeners. If you use the code word bad medicine, you'll get 50% off. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> it's not bad medicine, stupid. It's bad medicine podcast. <laughs> and then I also have a koozie up there, 16 ounce koozie to keep your beer cool, which was, uh, every show I have fans walking up and they want me to sign it. And it's like, it's foam for one. And for two, <laughs> you're putting an ice cold beer in there. So my signature is not going to stay, <laughs> you know, but. I'll do it. That's why uh, he's 
Ooh, you keep one dry. Yep. And then oh, if you want uh, to, if you're in the Milwaukee area and you want, or the Northern Illinois area and you want to train, look up the Thumpers Den Wrestling Academy. Send a uh, good old Frankie the Thumper to Falco an email, and uh, I'll train you to be a wrestler. That's awesome. Well, hey, Matt, again, thanks for taking the time. Hey, man, we can't thank to, you enough. Yeah, to oh. do this and everything. We know you guys are busy. And, uh, you know, like I said, best of luck on everything. And uh, it's good to see one of the good guys make it. So I'm, I'm proud of you, you know, just from a personal standpoint. I'm really, really proud to see where you've gone. Um, buck the system. You know, for all the people who might have said you couldn't do it, hey, shit, here you are. You know, getting <laughs> it done, making a living. It's awesome. Yeah. When they told me I can't, I just tried harder. Absolutely. There you go. Good there words to live by. We are always watching you, buddy, and we appreciate the entertainment that you give us. Thanks All right, so have a beer on us tonight. <laughs> I will. Because you know I will. I, glug, glug. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so- ladies and gentlemen, shut up, Andrew. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that is the Bad Medicine Podcast number nine. We're wrapping it up here with Matt Winchester. Want to say thanks to who should be our sponsors. Again, I'm going to say BF Goodwrench, All-Terrain TA Tires. You should be giving us some damn money. Ford Trucks, you ought to be giving us money. Honda Power Sports, make the best stuff there is. Send us money our way. And, of course, as always, where would I be in my life without Jim Beam Whiskey? <laughs> Which Winchester loves. It, it works especially with the rats. <laughs> Especially that one in Sheboygan. You know, Winchester, if you have any sponsors that you'd like to see, you can rattle some off if you'd like. Um, you know, I got a few sponsors, so I'm good. But hey. Any beer company that wants to sponsor me, I'll, I'll drink your beer. <laughs> there it is. All right, Matt, good talking to you, and we will see you later. Catch you guys on the next one. Bad Medicine Podcast, see ya.